Paul says, he who prays in tongues doesn't speak to men, but speaks to God, and no one understands what he says. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. They're mysterious to the known language. They're mysterious to our mind. It'll actually sound like gibberish or gobbledygook. You receive it when you get filled with the Spirit, when you get baptized in the Spirit. You're listening to Spoken Through, an audio series on leaving evangelical Pentecostalism. I'm Alec Cowan. My name is Malia, and I was part of the Oneness Apostolic slash United Pentecostal cult, and I was in that cult for over 30 years. So tell me about when you first started going to church. I started going in October 1988. So I grew up Catholic, grew up in an alcoholic family with alcoholic parents, and we went to Catholic church like on Easter and on holidays, like the requirements. And even when I was a child in the Catholic church, I learned about Jesus, even though it was sporadically on the holidays. And I wanted to know more about this Jesus. So throughout my childhood, I visited friends, different churches, Baptist church, Lutheran church, just different churches trying to find this Jesus. And I had a friend named John in high school. He and I were best friends. And after I graduated high school, he came over to me and he said, Malia, Malia, you got to check this church out with me. It is amazing. It is awesome. It's incredible. You have to come with me. This is what we've been looking for our whole lives. And he was so excited. So that next Sunday, he comes over to my house and it's 1988. Big hair, short skirts, makeup, jewelry galore, man. So he comes in to the bathroom. I'm getting ready. And he looks at me. I'm putting my makeup on and my jewelry and got my my short jean skirt on. And he looks at me and he says, "Um, they don't wear makeup, so you probably need to take it off. I said, okay. Well, they being the women. And so I take the makeup off. He says, "Um, also, the women don't wear jewelry. So I might want to take the jewelry off. So I took jewelry off. And then he looked at my skirt and he said, they wear long skirts. You might want to change. I'm like, I'm not changing into a long skirt for a church service. So we pull up into the parking lot and it was a United Pentecostal church, itty bitty tiny church building. So we go in and they're in revival. And I, we walk in and these people were like so loving and caring Oh, so glad you're here. What's your name? And I was completely love bombed, completely love bombed. 
So service starts. We're sitting, I'm sitting there with John and quote, the spirit falls, the Holy Ghost falls. The members start talking in a different language. They start screaming and hollering and hallelujah, running around. They were dancing. They were like jumping up and down and twirling and spinning. And I sat there and I laughed and I laughed because I thought it was the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And the music was just very gospel and Christian. And I'd say about 20 minutes into the worship service, I just felt this presence. I believe it was was God just loving me or loving on me. And then during altar call, that's after the preaching and they ask you up front to pray with you or repent or whatever the preaching was on. So I run up, run up there to the front and cry and sob and well, you know, Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sins. I'm so sorry for my sins. So fast forward a couple months later, I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins and filled with the Holy Ghost. And so after you felt that presence, were you kind of hooked on that, that feeling, that adrenaline? To this day, I still struggle with what that presence was, if it really was God. That's part of my deconstruction is, was it really like God, Jesus? Was it, I was feeling overwhelmed with emotions and being loved bombed. So I continued to go to that church for another four months. And then I met a man in the, he was in the Air Force and I moved to a Midwestern state that I quote backslid because I was living with a guy. And in the Midwestern state, I went to a UPCI church a couple times. And my guy I was living with tried to kill me. I called the church pastor and I said, I need your help. He tried to kill me. I was told what I was doing was an abomination to God. They would not help me. And then he needed to go home back to my parents' house. Uh, About six months before that, John joined the military and was stationed in a Southern state. John and I were still in contact with each other. And I called John and said, hey, this is what's going on. He tried to kill me. So John invited me down to the southern state. So I packed up my stuff. And I went to the southern state to be with John. Long story short, John and I ended up getting married. So John and I got married. We were attending an independent oneness apostolic church it was the same beliefs as a united pentecostal international church but it had stricter standards like um, kids could not wear shorts little boys could not wear shorts it was very very strict and there were about uh 20 people attending there attended that church for a couple years 
And the pastor of that church and his wife were like grandparents to me. I'd spend nights at their houses or at their house. I would call them mama and papa. They were my family. John and I were in the military, or John was in the military. And so my family was in the Northern state. I didn't have any family. And my whole life revolved around church and the pastor and his wife. His pa- that pastor sexually assaulted me when I was 22. And when I went to the board, nothing was done. He continued to pastor that church until the day he died. Oh my gosh. Um, so did you keep going after that? What happened after that? So after he sexually assaulted me, he must have told his wife what happened because she had my parents' phone number. She proceeded to call my parents and to tell them that I was a witch and that I cast a spell on her husband and proceeded to scream and holler at them, at my parents (laughs) who were Catholic and say horrible things about me. So John and I left that church and we went to United Pentecostal Church that was about 30 miles away. So we go to that church, we walk in and we're thinking, okay, we'll make this our church home. So we go there on a Sunday and after the service, the pastor came to us and I'm, I was thinking, surely the man of God would know what happened. You know, that the Holy Ghost would tell him, you know, hey, they're victims and invite them to this church and, you know, and, and encourage them. Well, after church, the pastor comes up to us and says, you guys have a, got to talking to us and said, you have a long ways to drive. So why don't you go to the little independent church that's close to you? And we were shocked. We're like, what? So no UPCI church we could attend. We were told to go back to the abusive church. And we ended up going back to the independent oneness apostolic church that I was abused at. When I tell the story, people are like, how can you go back? How could you do that? And it's hard to explain to people because when you are taught hours a week and you go to church three times a week, you go to church Sunday twice, Wednesday once, that's minimum. And you have prayer meetings and youth services. And you're told that the man of God is never wrong. He never does wrong. You never ever question those in authority. You are to submit to your pastor. The only truth in the whole world is oneness. You leave, you're going to go to hell. It is pounded into you hours a week. And you believe it. I truly believe that if I left that church, that I would go to hell. I think there's something kind of scarily powerful 
about that feeling of, you know, one small slip up and the house of cards comes falling down. When I went to the board, I was labeled a Jezebel, the harlot, the temptress, the reprobate. I seduced him. I was 22 years old. He was like 62. It was my fault. I had the shame. I had the blame. Not him. No support from the church, nothing. And we continued to go there. And and it was like it never happened. Everything was okay, but yet it was different because we weren't as close and his wife and I weren't as close. And the dynamics changed. So what happened after that? How long did you stay at that church? So what happened next is um, John got out of the military and I got pregnant. So I had um, cervix cancer previously and was told I could never get pregnant. And he gets out of the military. We're still in the southern state. And wow, I get pregnant. And he joins another branch of the military. So he got went to boot camp and he got stationed in a southwestern state. And so that's how we left that oneness apostolic church. We got transferred. And during my pregnancy, I was bleeding. It was on bed rest. And pastor's wife calls me and tells me that the baby, if I don't come to church, that Satan's going to take my baby. Satan's going to kill my baby and make me miscarriage. So, yeah, there's <laughs> she actually said that. And about a week later, moved to Southwestern State and went to a UPCI church down there for a few years. That church, as far as UPCI, was a pretty decent church, had a decent pastor. Was there anything that you were getting out of that church that was actually good in some way? Yes, there were good times. I felt like part of a family. The church was my family. I felt I was making a difference. I was a Sunday school teacher at one point. I We paid our tithes and offerings, supported um, the church financially, gave, you know, time, cleaned the church. You know, it was, it was very family. I had, I had a family and I was doing, I felt like I was doing something with my life. There were good times. We'd go over to two other church members' houses and play games. And before I started going to the church in the Northern state, I was drinking a lot and was an alcoholic. So in the UPCI, we weren't allowed to drink alcohol. So that helped me not drink, knowing that if I drank, I'd go to hell or knowing that God would disapprove of me drinking. That's not my opinion now, but it was back then. So it, 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 the rules, some, uh, some of the rules helped keep me in line where had I not been in church, I probably would have done it, had a DUI or been in jail or done something stupid while I was drunk.
When I was in the UPCI, we were taught we were elite. We were God's chosen. You know, we're going to save the world. And you're special. You're chosen. God chose you out of all the billions of people. You know, and you have the truth. We only have the truth. And because you have the truth, you're special and you're anointed and you're going to do good things for God. When I left, I lost my identity. I lost my friends. I lost my church family. I eventually lost my kids. And my whole who I was was gone. So you said that this church in the southwestern state actually had a better pastor than the last few churches you went to. Did things feel like they were improving from that point out? All right. So we were down in a southwestern state for four years, and John got out of the military, and we've moved to a midwestern state, another midwestern state, and started going to a UPCI church there. By then, I had um, two kids, two daughters, and went to the church there, and it was okay for a while, still strict standards. Women couldn't wear pants. Women couldn't cut their hair, couldn't wear jewelry, couldn't wear makeup, couldn't go to movie theaters, couldn't drink alcohol, couldn't smoke, couldn't chew tobacco, uh, couldn't have a TV in the house couldn't um, have movies in the house, things like that. So continued to go there. And John had a series of affairs with the women in church, some of the women in church. So I divorced him. He, after the divorce, he joined another branch of the military and he moved to a West Coast state. And I was I continued to go to the UPCI church. I did not have a man over me in my household. So the pastor was over me since I was a single woman, unmarried woman. And my dad was, quote, not in truth and, quote, not the church. The pastor was the head of my household. And I was under the umbrella of the pastor. So in the UPCI, it is taught that women are supposed to be submissive to their husbands and are to have a male authority figure over them. So I didn't have one. So thus my pastor was one. He was the head of my household. And in the UPCI, we were taught that Every decision you make has to go through your pastor, whether you're married or not, has to go through your pastor and or your pastor's wife. They are the spiritual authority over you and you are to submit to them and you are to get permission from them for everything. Even after I was married, I had to get permission to look for a different job, have to get permission course to date, have to get permission to get married, have to get permission to buy a house, to buy a car, to go on vacation. Everything in my life was decided for me. Yeah, that level of 
submission is unfortunately very common in evangelical apostolic denominations. Um, was there someone who came into your life to at least kind of take away that stewardship of the pastor over your pretty much all the functionings of your daily life? I met a man named Joe and I invited Joe to, ch Joe to church. Joe came to church and a few months later we got married. Things were, were good after he got married for a little bit and Joe had anger issues and domestic violence became commonplace in the marriage. I hid it very well. I was ashamed and embarrassed. And I was told to submit to him that he is the head of the household and to submit to him. And I did. And the domestic abuse continued. And eventually I could not handle it anymore. And after I left the church, I really couldn't handle it anymore. So I divorced him. been questioning the beliefs for about five to six years because the Jesus that they preached was vengeful, was angry, was going to send you to hell. And the Jesus I read in the Bible was loving and caring and full of love. And the only time that he got upset in the Bible, at least from what I read, was the Pharisee at the Pharisees and religious people. So what I was being taught and preached to was not lining up with what the Bible said. So I started digging and, and digging and I'm like, what I'm being taught is hate. It's not lining up with what my personal beliefs are. Like, especially with the LGBTQ community, that community was preached against and was just so hate filled. And I just questioned my beliefs and what I was being taught. And I'll never forget sitting in church one time and the pastor was preaching. And everyone was preaching and people were standing up and raising, standing up on their feet raising and pumping their right hand. Yeah, yeah, you preach it. And I looked around and I'm like, oh my God, he's preaching hate. He's preaching discrimination. I can't do this anymore. This is so wrong. It's, it's, it, I'm done. I'm done. I just, I couldn't handle it. Oh, and then the way they treat women is just awful. Women are less than a man. Women are supposed to be submissive to men and we were taught women were taught and of course men that a woman is to dress modestly in a skirt sleeve length three-fourths lengths the longer the skirt the better 
because we are actually taught that if a woman dresses provocatively and a man lusts after her, that is her fault. It's never the man's fault. It's the woman's fault. Well, well, she asked to be raped because she wore uh, uh, jeans or she asked to be raped or she asked to be sexually assaulted because of the way she dressed. We were actually taught that a woman is responsible for a man's lust and a man's actions. There is so many sex assaults that go unreported in the UPCI. And I found out a lot more after I left the organization. Spiritualabuse.org is a good place. You can find documentation and court documents about the sex assaults and the cover-ups in the UPCI church. They just blame the women. So many pastors have porn addictions and it's covered up. So many pastors have have sex assault, not so many, but a lot of, uh, there are pastors out there who have been accused of rape and sex assault on a child. And they, the organization knows, and they, they maintain their license. They may go to a different church and start a different church, but they get to keep their license in the woman or the girl or the child. They even blame little girls for being too seductive. And it's the woman's fault always, unless there's a demon involved. And if there's a demon involved, the man is not responsible for his actions because he was demon possessed and the demon made him do it. So it's either the woman's fault or a demon made the man do it. Very little to no accountability. Uh, for men, when sexual assault or lust or rape or adultery or affairs, it's the woman's fault or a demon's fault, not the man's fault. So you were kind of recognizing this hypocrisy. I think that's a really common leaving point for a lot of people um, in Pentecostalism. So what were the next kind of concrete steps that you took to leave? The pastor that was preaching, and I felt like I was sitting in a Nazi rally, he resigned and I left. I left that church. I contacted a board member and said, I can no longer do this. And I left. And how did that feel at first? I was so happy. It was like, I was free. I am free. No more of this stuff. No more junk. You know, uh oh, I left the truth. I'm going to hell. Oh my God. I'm going to go to hell. Oh, there's another UPCI church. Let's go ahead and check that one out. So I went into went into a neighboring UPCI church and the preacher started preaching about paying your tithes and you're going to be financially blessed and blah, blah, blah. And you need to do this because God's telling me to tell you to pay your tithes and give an offering above and beyond. And I got up and walked out. 
And then I decided, well, I'll give it one more chance. I'll go to this, this church and one more chance. So I go in the next Sunday and they start playing songs during worship service that my previous church played. I had, I went to the bathroom, had a full fledged panic attack, sobbing and crying in the bathroom because it triggered memories. So I got up and left and have not been to a, been to a UPCI church since. One thing you mentioned in an earlier chat that we had um, was this idea of holy kind of magic healing hair. Can you talk about what that is? Um, holy magic hair is a teaching that comes out of 1 Corinthians where it talks about a woman having power on her hair. They have taken it to mean if a woman does not cut her hair, her hair has the power to heal, not God, but her hair and her obedience to the scripture. If a woman wraps her hair around a person or child or lays her hair, uncut hair, over the person, they will be healed. When I was younger, when I was a teenager, and I was looking at different religions and stuff, I practiced a little bit of witchcraft. When I would light candles in my room at night, a, a bad presence would come into my room and I could physically feel bad, badness. And there was a couple church services I went to at the UPCI church um, in the Western state that women were putting, taking down their hair and laying it on each other. And as soon as I started doing that, that same bad spirit, that badness, that evilness came into the church. And I'm like, oh no, I know the spirit. This is bad. This is not of God. This is bad. And they were talking in tongues. And, and as soon as they let down that hair and the bad spirit came in, their tongues changed and the atmosphere changed. And I knew that that was witchcraft, what they were practicing. I was just floored that that bad spirit came in. And they believed that, that their hair can heal. That is idolatry. That is witchcraft. That is not Bible. The same with prayer cloths. Prayer cloths. Oh, get a prayer cloth. You know, it, 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 it'll heal people. They don't. It's like they put so much emphasis on the hair and the prayer cloth, not on God, who they believe heals, and Jesus, who they believe heals. So that was, I'm like, oh, that was a big deal for me leaving too when they started like doing that weird stuff. Oh, yes. And something else for your listeners to Google, Google Kundalini spirit and watch YouTube videos. So there were times during prayer and worship and song service that people would scream, bark like dogs, growl, and pastors and preachers in the church contributed it to the Holy Ghost. Since leaving and doing research that is not Holy Ghost, that is a Kundalini spirit, and the things that are going on in the church now, the UPCI church, is not, is not, in my opinion, 
is not of God. Um, Bible's clear. There are fruits of the spirit. Example, there is this one guy, one brother in the church, sweetest, gentlest, kindest man I've ever met. Good guy, good guy. He just had all the fruits of spirit. However, he did not talk in tongues, which according to the UPCI is a requirement for you to have the Holy Ghost. He never spoke in tongues. They told him he was going to hell because he did not speak in tongues. But yet the people that spoke in tongues were mean, bitter, backstabbing people. And yet this gentle, kind man that had all the fruits of the spirit who didn't talk in tongues was going to hell. So that was an issue for me. So how do you look back at those three decades? Um, How do you look back on that time now? And what does it mean to you? Looking back over the 30 years being oneness apostolic slash UPCI, I have good memories and bad memories. I feel also that I've wasted 30 years of my life. I was in a cult. And I think all the things I could have enjoyed, I could have enjoyed traveling. I could have enjoyed, oh yeah, vacations. You had to get approval for vacations. I could have had better jobs. I could have made more money. All the money that I paid in tithes and offering is about $300,000 total. I could have had a nice house. All these things that I look back and regret over time staying in the cult, the emotions I have faced totally blindsided me. I knew I'd be shunned, but being shunned by people that you thought would never shun you, who said they loved you and you hung out with, that hurt a lot. I no longer have contact with my adult daughters. One of them has no contact with me because I chose to stay in an abusive relationship with Joe. And the other one has other daughter has no contact with me because I left the truth and she thinks I'm a backslidden reprobate whore. So I've lost my kids. The depression sometimes gets overwhelming. The loneliness, lonely because it's a it's a road you have to travel by yourself. The happiness and the freedom. So it's like this roller coaster of emotions deconstructing. You know, what do I believe? My whole identity is gone. I can remake myself. And then thinking of all the things you can do, I can travel. I can see these things. I can get a better job. So it is just a roller coaster of ups and downs. It is worth it. It is worth leaving. I am free. I'm happier. I used to have panic attacks and anxiety attacks when I was in the church because I was scared I was going to hell. I still have anxiety attacks and panic attacks, but hardly ever. I am not fearful like I was. I get to listen to good music now. I, oh, 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 and I get to make choices for my life. I don't have to go through a pastor, pastor's wife, or a husband, or a boyfriend, or a man, or my dad. I can make my own choices. 
And like, this is whole new world in front of me because I get to choose. I get to, to live and do things that I couldn't before. So roller coaster of emotions, absolutely. But leaving is absolutely worth it. Well, first, I want to thank you for sharing your life story with me, Malia. Um, are there any last thoughts before we wrap things up? If it's okay, I'd like to address victims of sex assault. So sex assault, rape, SA happens in all denominations, happens in the UPCI. If you are a victim of sex assault, rape, grooming, you are not to blame no matter what you are told, no matter what your pastor tells you, no matter what your friends tell you, no matter what your pastor's wife tells you, no matter what people in church tell you, you are not to blame. The person that hurt you is to blame him or her only, not you. You are not to blame for what was done to you. You are innocent. To the LGBT community, I am so sorry that you were hurt in the UPCI or any de denomination you've been in. I am sorry for that. I like to talk to people or address people that are still in the organization. Trust your gut. You're sitting there in church and you hear a preacher and you're like, ooh, something's just not right. Something's just off. Trust your gut. After leaving, I found out that some of the preachers that I had that gut feeling on were into some pretty bad stuff. Trust your gut, your instinct that deep down inside that that trust your gut. You are not alone in questioning your beliefs. It is okay to question. It is, it is good to question. If you do leave, be prepared to be shunned in the wide range of emotions. Happy, sad, depressed, lonely, loss of identity, finding of self. In the end, it is worth it. There is great freedom. There is so much freedom and so much to explore and new people to meet and new places to go and new adventures. And it is worth it. It is worth leaving. I am so much happier out of the cult. I hope that you do question and you're able to find answers. And peace. Peace.